This is Workers' Comp Matters, hosted by attorney Alan S. Pierce, the only legal talk network program that focuses entirely on the people and the law in workers' compensation cases. Nationally recognized trial attorney, expert, and author, Alan S. Pierce is a leader committed to making a difference when workers' comp matters. Welcome again to Legal Talk Network and Workers' Comp Matters. This is your host, Alan Pierce. I'm with Pierce Pierce and Napolitano in Salem, where we represent injured workers in workers' compensation claims. We are very happy to bring you another show. Today's show involves a discussion of a recent publication from the Workers' Compensation Research Institute on benchmarks for various states and jurisdictions in the United States as far as uh, workers' compensation issues. And before we get to our guest, Ramona Tanabe, I uh, want to thank our sponsor, and that is PI Now. Find a local qualified private investigator anywhere in the United States. Visit PI Now to learn more. And as I mentioned, we've done some shows with the Workers' Comp Research Institute um, over the course of the last several years. Today's guest is Ramona Tanabe. She is with the Workers' Comp Research Institute and has been uh, with them since 1996. She is currently leading the Institute's flagship line of core benchmarking studies. Her responsibilities include conducting studies on health policy, managing um, WCRI data collection, providing legal counsel, advising public officials on medical privacy issues, and managing various internal and external functions at WCRI. She is a lawyer by training. She was in private practice in Chicago before joining WCRI. Ramona, welcome to Workers' Comp Matters. Thank you so much, Alan. I'm very pleased to be here. You know, I'm holding in my hand uh, a rather lengthy report called CompScope Benchmarks. The, the, the edition I have is Benchmarks for Massachusetts 19th edition. It was published by WCRI in April of 2019. And uh, today I'd like you to discuss not just the benchmarks findings for Massachusetts, but the ComScope project of measuring performance and measuring uh, certain uh, factors in the workers' compensation area across states. Um, first of all, could you give us just maybe a brief overview of WCRI? What is your mission and uh, who utilizes your services? Absolutely. WCRI has been around since 1983. We are a not-for-profit public policy research organization here in Cambridge, Massachusetts. We provide information to all stakeholders in the workers' compensation systems, and that information is regularly used in public policy discussions. We don't take positions on policy, nor do we make recommendations. We provide the information so that when there is a discussion, it can be an informed decision and an informed discussion. Our goal is to be as transparent as possible in what we provide so that it's useful in the public policy debate. And by public policy debate, does that include things like proposed legislative changes to a particular state's workers' comp system, let's say either raising or lowering uh, certain areas of benefits and the impact that might have? Is that uh, the type of public policy or even setting rates for premium? Are these the type of public policy areas that your statistical analyses uh, are useful with? To some of what you mentioned, yes. Um, so, for example, it might be a state having a discussion about revising their medical fee schedule or implementing a drug formulary 
or changing their benefit rates and looking at what's the implication of that to the current set of injured workers that we have in the state. We don't uh, provide information to help set rates for premium. Uh, there are other organizations that do that and do that, have the staff to do that much better than we ever could. So we focus on public policy in what you think of as the benefit delivery system. When a claim occurs, what are the processes by which an injured worker gets their income replacement benefits, gets the medical services that they need, um, and gets returned to work, that type of thing? How do those compare across states? First of all, you have the collection of this data from from different states. But uh, to me, the most difficult task would be comparing state A to state B to state C when each individual state or jurisdiction has its own fee schedules, it's its own indemnity uh, rates, uh, percentages of, of average wage, et cetera. So how do, you, um, how do you deal with the variances among all of the states to try to come up with any type of general benchmarks or conclusions? That's a good question. If you just compared, for example, the average medical payment for a claim across states, we think of that comparison as apples to potatoes. And we've created a number of adjustments for comparability or selection for comparability so that the comparisons that we do across states are kind of like yellow apples to red apples. It's never going to be yellow apples to yellow apples because of the differences in the state. Some of the things you just can't adjust for. But for example, the way states define benefits is sometimes different and they use different terminology. We create a common set of definitions, not only across states, but also across the data sources that we collect data from. And then we make it sing as one voice, so to speak, so that we are comparing the same measures. We adjust for a subset of claims to adjust for the waiting period. So we're looking at claims with more than seven days of lost time. Different states have different waiting periods. So this eliminates that differential. We look at the types of injuries that are occurring within each state. We look at the industry mix. And then finally, we adjust for wages. So at the end of all those adjustments, it's as if you took the same group of claims and dropped them into each state. And then the resulting differences are likely due to the system features that each jurisdiction has in place. I see. And uh, I'm looking at, uh, of course, your 19th edition benchmarks report, so uh, I assume there have been 18 prior editions uh, for the past 18 or so years? That's right. So the report you're referring to is called CompScope, right. and that we think of that as putting the compensation system under a microscope. Yep. And this report came out April of 2019, and of course, as soon as it came out, I, I get all sorts of Google and other alerts. Um, so I know a lot of people in the industry um, you know, await this and look for it. I noticed uh, that in, in your report for 2019, you, you basically used 18 different states. In the prior editions of the CompScope study before this one, is, is it always the same states or are they different uh, states depending on the particular year? They're mostly the same. We started uh, back with the first edition had eight states in it. Um, and obviously, we were trying to build interest and, and grow the usefulness of the report. So we currently have 18 states in the report, and those 18 states uh, are chosen for different reasons. We 
look for states that represent the full range of states in terms of cost, higher cost states, lower cost states, and ones that are in the middle of the road. Uh, because when we're comparing to like how the states look, we want the middle of the states to look like a national median, if you will. They're also diverse in terms of system features, in terms of geographic location. And the states are also the ones that participate are interested in knowing how they compare with other states, the drivers of their costs and cost growth um, and implications of any regulatory or legislative changes. And, you know, why don't I at least very quickly name off the 18 states, Michigan, Tennessee, Texas, Massachusetts, Arkansas, Minnesota, Indiana, Florida, Wisconsin, New Jersey, California, Georgia, uh, Iowa, Illinois, North Carolina, Virginia, Pennsylvania, and Louisiana. And by the way, I'm using the postal abbreviations for these states, and I think I got them all right. So when you you know, analyze data from those states, where do you go for your source of materials? What type of data are you trying to capture, and where do you go to get it? WCRI collects data from data sources, from insurance carriers, third-party administrators, from self-insured employers, um, and we have created our, our own data call that we send out and capture the data ourselves to support the information in that underlies not only the CompScope reports that you're that we're talking about, but all of the research that's done across WCRI. And how many uh, researchers go into uh, the CompScope study? We currently have, I think, uh, six researchers working on our CompScope team. I should mention that the CompScope reports, you have the Massachusetts version of the 19th edition, the CompScope series includes two reports annually, the one that you have, and then there's a companion report that's CompScope medical benchmarks that drills into the medical costs per claim, who's providing the services, how many of the services. Okay, before our break, where we can perhaps talk about some conclusions that can be drawn across uh, state lines and among them between the states, can you maybe give us a rundown of the particular areas that are studied, cost per claim within seven days of lost time? How many different areas are there data for? And could you give us an idea of the categories of the data? Oh, sure. We have many different areas that we benchmark. Those include uh, income replacement benefits, including temporary total disability, permanent partial disability, how frequently do lump sum settlements occur? What are the average amounts of the lump sum settlements? Then we also have a number of measures that look to the medical information. How many services are provided for an average claim? What kinds of services are received? We also measure the time to notice of an injury, the time to the first payment for the injured worker, frequency of vocational rehabilitation use and costs, as well as the duration of disability. I also notice, I don't know if it's a major um, factor, but you also track the involvement of, of lawyers in the system and what percentage of lost time cases over a certain number of days has lawyer involvement as well as the costs of uh, litigation expense. Is that uh, something that's also studied and, and compared and contrasted between and among the states? That is, because one of the benefit delivery expenses that occurs within workers' compensation is lit our litigation expenses. All right. Well, at this point, I think we're going to take a brief break and have a message from our sponsor. 
Does your law firm need an investigator for a background check, civil investigation, or other type of investigation? PINow.com is a -a one-of-a-kind resource for locating investigators anywhere in the U.S. and worldwide. The professionals listed on PINow understand the legal constraints of an investigation, are up-to-date on the latest technology, and have extensive experience in many types of investigation, including workers' compensation and surveillance. Find a pre-screened private investigator today. Visit www.pinow.com. Welcome back to Workers' Comp Matters. Uh, I'm here with Ramona Tanabi, and we are talking about the ComScope report that issued in April of 2019. Ramona, you gave us a good idea of the different areas that WCRI studies as part of its ComScope project. I guess the idea is to kind of come up with trends, things that um, are happening around the country and some conclusions that can be drawn by gathering this data uh, across 18 particular states. It seems like they're carefully selected uh, to give a, uh, a good a statistical sample that can be extrapolated perhaps elsewhere. So can you give us a general idea of what some of the key general findings that uh, have come out of this particular year's research as far as trends going forward? Sure. I identified three trends that we saw that were common across the 18 states that we studied. The first of those was benefit delivery expenses. What do I mean by benefit delivery expenses? We're looking at expenses that are allocated to specific claims, and they generally fall into two categories, medical cost containment and litigation expenses. Medical cost containment includes things like bill review, utilization review, case management, and provider networks. Litigation expenses includes defense attorney payments, medical legal expenses such as independent medical exams, medical testimony, and depositions. And All of those benefit delivery expenses have increased about 4% per year for the past decade in most of those study states. So in each of the 18 states, there's been an increase over time, a steady, slow increase. So while the average amount paid in the states for those types of expenses might vary greatly, the increase has been consistent across states. Does this just account for general inflation costs? Uh, I know when I'm Uh, If I have to pay for an independent medical evaluation of one of my clients, I know that uh, uh, the doctors are charging us more. And when I request medical records from providers, the bills are a little bit higher. So on my end, when I do incur costs for, it is a really benefit, well, in a way it's benefit delivery. I'm trying to get benefits for my client. I know my costs have increased. Uh, So how much of that might be attributable just generally to uh, normal inflation? Right. So some of it is attributed to just general inflation over time. The medical cost containment um, could be with you know, states that have implemented a fee schedule. There's something to now pay for in terms of bill review. Changing uh, treatment guidelines requiring or not requiring utilization review and changing those regulations. So there's all kinds of medical cost containment pieces that, that show up in these, in these expenses as well. And I would assume if the, the costs are going up for medical cost containment, uh, on the other side, somebody is studying somewhere the effect on, on the actual medical costs that are being contained and how much are they changing or going down as a result of increased cost containment measures. So just because, can I, as a layman, make the argument that, well, if cost containment 
costs are going up 4% per year for the last 10 years, that doesn't necessarily mean medical costs are going up. In fact, that may mean, could that mean medical costs are going down because insurers are doing a better job of containing those costs? It could be, but it could also mean that there are different types of medical services being provided. Technology has changed over time. So uh, yeah, perhaps absolutely. MRIs have gotten more expensive, that type of thing. So there are different, you know, some go up and some go down, but on average, this is what we're seeing for those expenses, that it's been a steady increase over time. Okay, what are some of the other areas for which uh, you can make draw some general conclusions and trends? Sure. Uh, one of the other areas we saw was in the frequency of lump sum settlements, also for around the past decade, since around 2008. Now, there are a lot of factors that influence lump sum settlements, and those differ across states. Those would be what type of benefit system is it? Is it a permanent partial disability state? Is it a wage loss state? Is it a combination? Um, and within a permanent partial disability state, what's the basis of the benefit? Is it impairment? Is it disability? Is it a loss of earning capacity? What's the weekly benefit amount for a permanent partial disability? How many weeks are paid? So there are many factors that go into lump sum settlements, but generally we've seen an increase in the frequency of lump sum settlements across states since 2008. And some states have very specific reasons. For example, in California, in 2012, they passed Senate Bill 863, and we see settlements after that occurring earlier in the claims. Now, this might be because that bill eliminated add-ons and specific pieces for permanent partial disability benefits, making them more predictable and more certainty in the determination of permanent disability. So therefore, they're able to settle claims earlier. But that's California. There are different reasons in every single one of the states that we study. But on, in generally, I can tell you that the frequency of lump sums has increased over time. All right. I, you know, as I was perusing um, really a very voluminous uh, report, and I didn't even scratch the surface because uh, I was really focusing primarily on Massachusetts, I did see some reference to Florida. And uh, as you probably know, Florida has sort of been in the workers' comp news in the last four or five years because Florida, like some other states, have faced some constitutional challenges to their workers' comp system. And maybe two, three, four years ago, there were a couple of decisions that came down from the Florida Supreme Court, uh, finding that some of the law in the workers' comp statute didn't meet constitutional muster, especially in terms of attorney fee schedules. And um, in striking down the fee schedule or the fee uh, provisions in the workers' comp law, uh, there was a, a great controversy and uh, among people that this will lead to higher lawyer involvement and this will lead to higher costs and higher claims. And do you know whether or not your study dealt with that issue in Florida and what it might have found? We do measure the effect of the Supreme Court cases in Florida in the study. But remember that it's across all claims that are occurring within the jurisdiction. So you can see an increase in the, the frequency of lump sum settlements, but the trend actually reflects when the decisions were happening. 
So yes, we do monitor when there are not only regulatory changes, but court cases that could have an impact or a change on the claims that are happening within the workers' comp system. And um, before we leave the subject, uh, are there any other uh, sort of general trends other than the medical cost containment and the frequency, for example, of lump sum settlements that might be applicable across jurisdictions, maybe even across all 50? Yeah, one last trend that I'll mention is a shift of where injured workers are receiving their care. There are generally fewer inpatient hospital visits, and there's a shift from outpatient facilities, hospital outpatient facilities, to ambulatory surgery centers. Why are these changing? It could be technology changes or business models, consolidations, competition for access to workers' compensation business, or some effect of local norms of what's happening in general health care that are also showing up in, in workers' compensation. Or it could simply be choice and convenience. Concurrent with this decrease of hospital services, there's also a decrease in the percentage of surgeries that are happening. And when I say surgeries, I mean major surgeries, something that you'd think of that you would like anesthesia for. These are possible reasons for this are maybe alternative to surgery, pain management injections or physical therapy or pain management, um, or there could be non-surgical options that are happening too. It's very interesting. Uh, if, if somebody out there wants to learn more or uh, delve into your ComScope findings, uh, how might they do that? Is there something, is this subscription-based? Is it something they can find online? Is it, how is it available? All of our reports are available on our website um, for a very nominal fee. You can purchase any of the reports. Um, all of our reports are available free of charge to government officials because we want them to be able to have access to the information uh, where all the other stakeholders do as well. So feel free to visit our website. You can People can also put in their email address, get added to our email list so that they can be aware of reports that are coming out, and also follow us on all of our social media outlets. Okay, and, and your web address is? It is www.wcrinet.org. Okay, and may I assume that there are folks weeding through the data right now for the 20th edition that we'll probably see about 11 months from now? They are. They're weeding through, but actually they're weeding through the data and writing the reports as we speak that are on the companion report, the ComScope Medical Benchmarks, that'll be issued um, early this summer. Okay. Well, Ramona, I want to thank you very much for being a guest on Workers' Comp Matters and, and making a very complex area at least more understandable for those of us who are not particularly um, you know, data-driven, and especially having to do this in an audio rather than a video format where we could at least see some uh, bar graphs, etc. So uh, on behalf of Workers' Comp Matters and Legal Talk Network, this is Alan Pierce wishing you a good day and hope to have you back listening to us soon. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Workers' Comp Matters today on the Legal Talk Network. Hosted by attorney Alan S. Pierce, where we try to make a difference in workers' comp legal cases for people injured at work. Be sure to listen to other workers' comp matters shows on the Legal Talk Network, your only choice for legal talk. The Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast, your resource for the tips and tactical advice you need to grow your business. Plus, keep up with the news and commentary you crave to stay one step ahead. It's hosted by me, Guy Sakalakis. 
and me, Conrad Som. Every other week, we break down the issues holding back your marketing strategy and talk about the changes you need to be prepared for. Check out the Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube.